tackling the challenge of providing legal services for people unable to pay. From SDPB, today is Friday, February 23rd, and this is In the Moment. Coming up this hour, C.J. Keene reports on the state's efforts at public defense reform. We'll hear a bit from Jackie Hendry's reporting on the state's teacher pathway program. Also, we've got puppies in the studio, Lego bricks around the table, and sonic seasoning for your adult beverages. Plus, the local band Thought Patrol drops a new single. We'll preview that and ask how a brutal winter led to musical synergy. We're broadcasting live today from SDPB's Kirby Family Studio in Sioux Falls. I'm Lori Walsh. You're in the moment. News is first. You're listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. South Dakota faces very real shortages when it comes to legal services for those who cannot pay. There are only a few dedicated public defenders' offices statewide, and there is an ever-growing number of cases. Judges and lawmakers say something needs to change. SDPB's C.J. Keene checks in on a few proposals moving through the Capitol. Every citizen has a constitutional right to legal representation, but with only three of South Dakota's 66 counties having a public defender's office, the challenge is monumental. In practical terms, that means heavy workloads, long drives, and court-appointed cases for attorneys. Dick Teason is an attorney and lobbyist for the state's Sheriff's Association. He lays out the day-to-day -day realities of the current system. The burden of the cost of defending that person is today laid squarely on the shoulders of the county. So the county really has been, for all of these decades, paying to defend people who commit crimes against the state of South Dakota, not against the county in which they're being charged. That cost, left at the feet of local taxpayers, isn't pocket change. Teason says it's not the first time the state has stepped in on the issue. We passed a bill here that addressed the situation where counties were suddenly burdened with the cost of defending and prosecuting in murder cases. And in many times, it would almost bankrupt the county. So a bill was passed that allowed counties to join together to try and cover that cost. However, that law passed 30 years ago, and a lot has changed. Many lawmakers, judges, and lobbyists say this is the year to make state support for public defense a priority in the legislature. There are multiple bills this year to help bridge this gap. To begin, House Bill 1057 would remove the burden of public defense from counties and create a statewide indigent defense commission. State Supreme Court Chief Justice Stephen Jensen says this is a key priority this year. State Court Administrator Greg Satizan explains. So that group would really be the ones that talk about how do we how do we create the statewide office? There's a the boots on the ground piece of that would be the creation of a chief public defender office uh, that would start with handling just the appellate work. Those appellate cases, which have already had a ruling, can be done from anywhere in the state. However, Satizan says that's just the beginning. It, it provides that opportunity for flexibility. Um, and then it also looks at the system from a very kind of uh, a much wider lens as far as you know the types of cases that are coming up and the issues that the that the lawyers are seeing. And so 
you know, that commission really creates the start. It will have to strategically plan where are we going uh, as a state with indigent defense? What are appropriate caseloads for defense lawyers in our state? Satazan says while he's confident in the state judicial system more broadly, the current situation leaves meaningful gaps in representation. Overwhelmingly, we heard that we're getting a good legal product, but the issue is we don't have a great way of ensuring that you know lawyers are brought into the case in a timely basis or that they have access to resources when they're looking for some assistance. So we're making their job probably harder than it needs to be. Satizan says in most counties, lawyers take on public defender cases as volunteers, and only because the court requires them to. Another legislative proposal would reallocate money from the state's wholesale alcohol sales tax to help with the costs of public defense. Canton's Republican Senator Jim Bolin has introduced that bill, SB 31. Well, after discussion with numerous people, we made some changes to the bill. The concept remains the same, but the bill in its form now would leave 10% for the state, leave 25% for the cities, don't, don't touch the cities at all, but use the remaining portion for indigent uh, legal expenses that are burdening counties extensively. However, SB 31 was killed in the Joint Appropriations Committee. The expenses of court-appointed attorneys for those who cannot afford an attorney are only going to increase, and this will only increase the dependence of counties to use local property taxes to pay for these expenses. In that case, it's probably going to increase the property taxes as we look to the future. Rapid City Republican Senator Helene Duhamel, who worked on the summer study that first identified public defense as a significant issue, says that blow will be felt by average South Dakotans the most. I think it's heartbreaking. Honestly, I do. Whether it's the state taxpaying dollar or the local, it's the same taxpayer. Yes, maybe the state collects less money, but it saves money for the taxpayer. And that's what really should be the bottom line goal. What's the best way to do it? What's the way the taxpayer wins? A recent legislative study shows there is serious need for reform in the state's public defense system. Bolin says South Dakota is now the only state in the nation that puts the entire burden of public defense on county taxpayers after Pennsylvania moved away from a similar model last year. However, many close to the issue, like peer Republican Senator Jim Melhoff, say the fight isn't over. I just looked at a uh, caucus rating sheet from two weeks ago, and Senate Bill 31 was number five on the most popular proposal. And uh, I'm going to keep talking about it. It needs to be talked about a little bit more before it's disposed of. By the time session gavels out in early March, though, lawmakers say they feel confident some form of public defense reform will be on the governor's desk. I'm SDPB's CJ Keen and Peer. We had a few special guests stop by our Sioux Falls studio this week. Kayla Oblaso and Taylor Wingert from Almost Home Canine Rescue came into our Kirby family studio and we talked about the need for more volunteers, fosters, and adopters during the puppy palooza they say they're currently experiencing. And we discussed what you should think about when you're considering opening your home to a four-legged friend. But most importantly, we heard from Rooster and Mittens. They are adoptable dogs. You can meet at the sdpb.org slash news website or soon on the SDPB News Instagram page. But if you listen closely to this conversation, you might hear Rooster and Mittens exploring our studio and playing together.
during the interview. Thank you for stopping by Taylor and Kayla, Rooster and Mittens. All right, well, tell us a little bit about the organization first. Yeah, so Almost Home is a foster-based rescue based out of Sioux Falls. Um, we do cats and dogs, so don't let our name fool you. We do have cats as well, even though we're Almost Home Canine Rescue. Um, so we try to adopt out as many um, cats and dogs from, like, local South Dakota as possible. All right, tell me a little bit about these fine dogs that have come into our studio with us. Let's meet Rooster. So Rooster is about a year old. Um, approximate ages, obviously. We never yeah. really know full ages unless they were born in rescue. Um, I've had him since last summer, actually. So Rooster came from a neglect case where he was very, very skinny. He was like 18 pounds at like six months old. Wow. Um, so he was like skin and bone. So we got him like back up to weight. And then we really have focused on like obedience and um, like lots of different training. So right now... Uh, Rooster's kind of mastered all of his basic obedience, and we're really focusing on, like, leash training and behavior, like, in public. So, like, he'll have two different modes, one where he's working, and that's, like, really focused on, like, stimulation and just getting exercise for him, and then more leisure walks where he would, like, be social. Sure. So he does a lot of training with me. What makes a good home for Rooster? Um, Rooster would love a home with another dog. However, I don't think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but he likes to live a very active lifestyle. He likes to go for walks. He likes to play fetch. Um, he loves training. Uh, we do a lot of like snuffle mats. So like that really makes them work their nose and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, like he's good with kids. He's good with dogs. He's good with cats. Like he could fit just about anywhere. <laughs> he's, he's very beautiful. Let's describe him for listeners. He's going to be a big boy. It's not going to be an grown. apartment. Oh, he's fully grown. Yep. Rooster's, oh. Rooster's, um, right around a year, if not a little bit over a oh, year. Sure. You he's said that okay. fully grown. He'll stay at this size. So he's a really nice, like medium. Yeah. Um, for sure. He's crate trained. Like, he's really just a great dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us, meet Mittens. Tell us a little bit about Mittens. Yes, I'll let Taylor speak again just because my foster puppy was not able to come. So yes. she. Yeah, so Mittens came to my house with Rooster. So they're fostered together actually right now. Um, he was like three ish months old in December. So we're get, coming up on the six month mark. Um, he is probably like one of the most like low energy kind of puppies like he he likes to play and he likes to goof around but he's definitely like a lounge around the house kind of dog <laughs> so he'll, him and rooster will go outside they'll play they have their good time but mittens wants to come back inside and be on the couch with you mm. um whereas rooster has those moments but not not quite as often yeah. um and mittens loves other dogs he's cat friendly he i think he'd really really like kids um just because he loves attention like if you are touching him non-stop mittens is happy how, how did Mittens come to you? So Mittens actually came from the Cheyenne River um, Reservation, West River. That's where probably 80% of our dogs come from, from almost home, is the um, reservation. Okay. Um, how do you work with the dogs to, to form that human bond and the transition from you to a forever home? So um, one thing that we talk a lot about in rescue is something called a two-week shutdown. 
So two-week shutdowns are super crucial when they're coming from the reservation as well as when they're transitioning to their new home because that is like what promotes like their trust and bonding with the new people that they're living with. Mm -hmm. So in that two-week shutdown, they're not meeting like a ton of other animals. They're not meeting a ton of other people. It's really time for them to be low stimulus, decompressing, and getting to know their new people. Um, and that's what really helps promote that bond. And then once you finish that two-week shutdown, you get a bond with other dogs in the home like these two have. Um, <laughs> and stuff like that. So, I mean, it just helps continue um, training as well as promote that bonding and that, like, transition. So if you're going to adopt a new pet, two weeks is really important for you. It takes longer than that. But that first two weeks is crucial is what you're saying. Yeah, the Marshmallow Foundation has something called the rule of three. So it's three days to decompress, three weeks to learn routine, and three months to feel at home. And really that's what I tell people is, like, you're not going to see, like, truly, like, who your dog is, how they fit into life, how you guys are going to work together until you're hitting, like, that three months. So, like, Rooster, I've had him six months now. We know our routine. I, like we know it from when we wake up till the time we go to bed what our day looks like what we're going to do what training we're going to do when we're going to do it when he's going to play with middies outside um when we're going to have like time just the two of us you know around the house that kind of thing um you know but three weeks in you know they're still learning the smells the sounds yeah. you know when you're going to work when you're coming home from work that kind of thing yeah that's a lot of good information to have if you're new if you're adopting this pet into your home you have a resource to, uh, to help make that transition the best for the for the animal and then for the people who are trying to do right by them. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the benefit of adopting from a rescue is like we work with a dog trainer. Our fosters are in homes and they're like with people like myself and with Kayla who are working with them on potty training, crate training. Like we know these dogs. So when they go into a home, there's not any like unexpected things like because we've already you know helped make sure that there aren't any issues to address like with these dogs before they go to their forever homes all right we'll put some information up on our instagram page and on our website uh, to help people find uh find more information out but thank you so much any final thoughts you want to add well, no, right now, I mean, we are super in need of fosters. Uh, we've had, so the reason we reached out to you guys is because we have, I like to call it puppy palooza right now, where, uh, for example, Pecan, my foster that I have, she's got, uh, she had, what, oh, 10 other siblings? Mm -hmm. And then a month after that, or a month and a half after that, we welcomed another dog who had surprise puppies, and she had eight. And then we just had another one that had 11 puppies. So we are super in need of fosters. Uh, puppies are kind of, we, we just put a post on our Facebook page for Almost Home Canine Rescue uh, that we are in need of fosters, what it would entail, what your responsibilities would be, how you can foster, how you can sign up. And if you can't do any of that stuff, you know, if you don't have that commitment or time, just sharing the word or spreading the word is yeah. Yeah. huge for us. Right. And the same thing will come with kittens too. Springtime is kitten season so and puppy season. Um, so cat fosters are welcome as well. Um, I'm sure kittens will be making their way in soon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how excited I am. <laughs> yeah. Volunteer run, and we have no staff. Nobody's paid on our team. We just do it because we love dogs, and we want to see them thrive and find forever homes and be loved. So that's if anybody's looking to fulfill that need, we, we have opportunity.
right, that is just a bit of the new single, Check the Truth. It is the latest release from Thought Patrol. That's a Sioux Falls-based band, and we have two members of the band seated around the table in our studios in Sioux Falls now. Kane Rodert and Jacob Vandevet are with us today. Kane, welcome to In the Moment. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Jacob, thanks for being here as well. Thank you. All right. It's kind of fun to hear in the, the headphones on public radio a little bit of your song. We're going to put some links up so people can find the whole thing and do their download. But uh, tell us a little bit about the band and how you got together. Who wants to begin? Jacob. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What, what do you, how long have we been together for? Three I, years? I think 2021 is okay. when we played like our first show. Yeah. And that was, that's kind of where we uh, start keeping track. Yeah. yeah. As our first live gig, How'd you I would meet? Say. Like, how, did you know each other? And uh, Well, we met at Total Drag mm-hmm. in downtown Sioux Falls. Um, just went to local shows there, uh, you know, buying records, just talking to people, hanging out, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's, decided to get together and make a band, pretty that's, much. That's really how I met everybody. Yeah. Like, every friend I have, pretty much, is through, like, Total Drag and the music scene. Yeah. Pretty much. At what point do you say, "Hey, like we're gonna get together and play," or, or you know, that you know you're supposed to have a compatible synergy, you know, as an artist, Kane? Uh, you pretty we pretty much just had to try it. Um, I knew I really liked Jacob's drumming just from seeing his other bands, and uh, we just got along. Yeah. Like mm. on a personal level, which is half the battle. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not hate each other. Yeah. yeah. And then we could make music together, and then you move toward making a release. Yeah. Talk yep. about being together on stage or like performing. What is that chemistry like? Uh, I think we're getting like a really tight chemistry. We've been yeah. playing in this band for a long time, and like we actually play in like a couple, yeah, a couple projects yeah. together. Yeah. So yeah, we're really getting a little telepathic. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> the the third member of the band is Kane's wife, okay, uh, who's singing yeah. on that track. So uh, they they're pretty. So uh, that synergy has already together, been yeah. taken <laughs> yeah. care of, yeah. yeah. So then you bring yeah. in a drummer, and then wh- how would, do you describe your music? Do you try not to describe your music? Like when you're trying to, f- you know, find a new venue or convince someone to download the album or pick up the LP, um, what do you say? Um, this is what we do. We do. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's all downstream of like rock music, um, but it's more has more of a psychedelic edge. Um, you know, uh, we take inspiration from a lot of genres punk rock um garage garage yeah yeah yeah, yeah. kind of 60s too mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff now th- this is a it's, it's an art it's a business there's graphic design there's albums there's figuring out distribution there's figuring out the logistics of of playing do you like that part of it uh well, as far as design and stuff, we kind of leave that to Jacob. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I let uh, Kane and Tiana write most of the music, and then I just sit in the back and count to four. <laughs> and uh, then, yeah, I, I feel like I've done uh, most of the art direction in the band, um, designing posters and T-shirts and uh, even, album covers. And, even yeah. recording. Uh, Jacob's yeah. kind of the mastermind behind our recording process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to... Shout out our producer, Will Behringer, who mm-hmm. uh, we send all of our tracks to. But I record all the stuff in the basement of my house. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we get a decent sound out of it. Yeah. How is the um, how did the pandemic and just having to, to figure out, a lot of us figured out how to do things from our basement that we didn't know yeah. how to do before. You come from a sort of tech school education here in Sioux Falls. Uh-huh. So you've, 
you know, we're probably way far ahead of people on that. But it change fa changes fast. Yeah. AI is coming into the mix. There's just yeah. A, a, what do you think about about the industry and how that's sort of happening around you right now? Do you prefer to go toward the tech side or lean back toward the I mean, analog side? Uh, I mean, I think it's easier than ever to um, get started in that stuff. And there's infinite resources available through the Internet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you want to do it, you know, you can and it's easy. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. sorry. What was the question again? Yeah. <laughs> do you personally? It. Does the band personally like the the you know the heavy tech stuff, or does that oh. sort of wake you up, or is that sort of get in your way? Like we just want to be in I the mean, garage playing the music. I think I like that stuff, yeah. but that's why we work well together. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your wife and your you know the musical collaboration you have with Hurricane. Uh, it's it's great. It was pretty much inevitable that we'd end up in some sort of band together, just us both being so musical it's something we bonded over before we were husband and wife or mm -hmm. you know and you play lead guitar yeah okay. and she and plays she's on bass, bass. Okay. yeah yeah and uh we're gonna try to get her singing more she has a much nicer singing voice than i do <laughs> and we've kind of been yeah. underutilizing her yeah <laughs> but yeah more she's to starting come. to do more backing vocals too mm -hmm. yeah. which their voices work well together that way well, I like hearing the evolution of a band. That's one of my favorite things. So that's one of the great things about following your local artists is that you see how they evolve. You see how they get up and try new things. You see what you like. Do you get feedback from other musicians, Kane, from an audience? Do people say, hey, I really love that. You should. We should hear more from her. Uh, people do say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, we try not to let anybody like influence our songwriting. We, yeah. We just try to let it flow organically and just let the songs come as they come. We take them where we can get them, yeah. pretty mm -hmm. much. Tell me a little bit about we're moving into the season of performance and travel and artists on the road as we get into spring and summer. Where do you like to play? Um, I mean, as far as around town, our favorite place is Total Drag. That mm -hmm. is like the marquee yeah. um, venue. But uh, there's a new place that just kind of opened. Oh, the new Remedy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. It's over kind of by uh, the Denny uh, Sanford Center. Sure. And uh, yeah, they just opened up. I think we're playing. What is it? March eighth, we're playing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Expect more things coming from that venue. I would say, like, keep an eye on it. Yeah. Well, t now people mostly Bandcamp find your stuff. Where Where do you send people to find your music? Uh, you follow you on Instagram. Yeah, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on every okay. streaming platform. Yeah, this new song actually isn't on Bandcamp uh, okay. right now, but uh, it will be. And you cut vinyl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Our last record, uh, Total Drag, uh, pressed it for us. Yeah, we pressed 110 LPs, and I think we're down to about 10 or 20. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know. Get at us if you want one. We don't have <laughs> yeah. a lot left. There's a few at Total Drag as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find them on originalstar.world, too. What was that process like to sort of hold that in your hand, to see that project from start to finish, but then to actually to get copies and say, like, we did this. Like, we're legit now. It was really yeah. cool. Um, and we didn't have any plans for it at all when we recorded the record. Um, we thought it would be way too out of budget. I guess, yeah. or we didn't want to sink our whole budget into like one thing, but uh, Total Drag really helped us out. They paid to press it. They 
kind of oversaw the whole thing and yeah yeah uh yeah we wouldn't have been able to do it without total drag um yeah they went out on a limb for us and uh Thankfully, we sold all the records. Yeah, so paid off. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shout out Dan and Liz. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll have to invite them in and talk a little bit about that oh, process definitely. and uh, what they're looking for, what they're not looking for. Yeah, and, you know what makes a good uh, distribution locally because mm-hmm. that—that's. I mean, I I wish that the records that were pressed when I was in high school, you know, that I had at the time, I wish I still had them, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. Totally. So when yeah. you get something like that, you hang on to it, and then years later, you're like, oh, do you remember this? And Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely very gratifying to have an LP because yeah. that's something that's going to last the test of time, yeah. like 20 years, 30 years, or even longer. It's cool as a record collector, too. Right. To yeah. have uh, your own. To have your own in the collection. Yeah, for sure. I mean, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, you also do video. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always looking for stories and and telling interesting stories with in- interesting people. Tell us a yeah. little bit about your work behind the sure. camera. Uh, yeah, um, I used to run a camera at Kello, and then uh, I went out on my own, and I do freelance stuff now. Um, my two recent projects, I just did a short documentary on uh, local eccentric uh, David Z, who's run for mayor. Uh, I think this is going to be his third run in 2026. Um, and then uh, before that, we did a music video for Thought Patrol, yeah. which um, check it out on YouTube, uh, Sky Poison. And uh, we shot it at the sewer, which is a local indoor underground skate park. Which I did not know existed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not their target audience because I would fall off a skateboard just thinking about being <laughs> on it. But I still, I, when I was yeah. watching that, also wondering how in the world you're playing while all that activity is happening around you. Took uh, a few takes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was really fun. Um, yeah. We shot it in one take, um, and we shot it in, like we shot it really fast. We shot it in fast. Uh, we shot it in slow motion, so we played the song about twice as fast in real okay. time. Okay. Um, which sounded horrible, like yeah. in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough for you. Yeah. You got you got to sing really fast. You yeah. got to play really fast. <laughs> but it was super fun, and uh, it was an, ad- an idea I was kicking around for a while, and just uh, getting to do it was was really fun. How did doing the story on David Z sort of impact how you think about local politics? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, for people who aren't from Sioux Falls, this yeah. is a, you know, I don't know if eccentric is the right word. I, I hope that's a neutral word, but he's, so. you know, yeah. he's not, he doesn't have political experience. <clears throat> he has lots of opinions about mm-hmm. how the city, he's mm-hmm. passionate. He, you know, shows up dancing, yeah. drives around <laughs> in a, in a car that is like shrink wrap with, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm well, the he, next mayor. Yes. A lot of people don't take him super seriously. He goes no. to to city council meetings again and again and yeah, shows these very yeah. interesting uh, reductive slideshows. Mm-hmm. So if you're not from this town, he's like that, he's that person. And you said, yeah. you know, but th- he has something to say about how a city is run. Yeah. Even though he's not really considered a legitimate candidate yeah. for public office. Well, for, he's, for he's definitely an outsider. Yeah. For sure. There you go. Um, but I, I mean, he has every right to be in the conversation. He's a citizen just like everybody else. And he's putting in the work, you know. He goes to these city council meetings, you know, like how many people go to their city council meetings? Not many. People should. People should be involved in this stuff. So I give David a lot of respect for that. And um, yeah. I don't know. He's just an entertaining guy. And uh, yeah. 
I yeah. think uh, he's good six, to have around. You know? Six-minute short film. I actually watched it on SiouxFallsLive.com, but you can find it on YouTube as well. Kane, what's next for the band, for Thought Patrol, now that you've got this release out? What are you looking forward to as far as like new music and, and you know, what you guys want to do next? Yeah, I think we just kind of start the process over. Um, we're kind of working on new songs right now. Uh, maybe another release, maybe like an EP or something this year. Yeah. And uh, we had a really, really busy year last year playing shows and going on the road. And I think we might cut back a little bit and focus on maybe getting in a real studio, possibly. Mm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see, though. As long as we're just having fun. This month, the South Dakota Focus team turned its attention to the ongoing teacher shortage. One program with a long-term plan to address the problem is the Teacher Pathway course in the Sioux Falls School District. High schools learn about a potential career in teaching and earn dual credit through the University of South Dakota. In this clip, South Dakota Focus host Jackie Hendry visits with one of the creators of the program, Roosevelt High School teacher Gina Benz, and her student, Aiden Sanderson. Today, I'm at JFK for practicum, which is every Thursday for teacher pathway. Instead of going to first period, I just go sit in a kindergarten classroom and kind of just experience what being a teacher is like. And Sanderson knows better than most what goes into a career in teaching. His mom works in this same elementary school. So I think it's interesting that your mom is in education yeah. too. So like, I'm sure you're well aware of, you know, kind of the harder things about oh, being yeah. an educator. How does that like play into um, your it, thoughts about it? It it kind of makes me excited for it. Like it makes me like more excited to like want to become a teacher because like I know that everything's not going to be perfect every single day, and that's kind of like I'm 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 excited for the challenge. I'm excited to deal with some kids who don't want to work, who don't want to you know do this, or they're going to act out like I'm like that's what I want to that's what I want to help. I want to help those kids. My pathway students are well aware that teaching is a very hard profession and that there's a lot of media out there portraying it as a nearly impossible profession. And so we spend a lot of time talking about what can you do in your profession so that you can achieve longevity? What are the strategies that will help you avoid burnout? And one of the greatest strategies is to know what your boundaries are. You do not have to be on every committee. You do not have to grade everything that a child does in class. These kind of boundaries preserve a person's joy for the profession and help us avoid the burnout that is really disheartening um, because there's a lot of teachers burning out right now. But I also encourage them to find their own strategies because it's different for different people in different situations. Since the Teacher Pathway program started in 2018, more than 500 students across the Sioux Falls School District have participated. And the district is just beginning to see the results. What's really exciting is that this semester for the first time, I'm gonna be placing some of my current Teacher Pathway students in the classroom of one of my former Teacher Pathway students. This is the same classroom Aiden Sanderson is helping. He encourages students who might not have considered a career in education to look into the opportunity anyway. Because like you learn so much more than just being a teacher. You learn how to like manage yourself and manage yourself around like others and treat others with more respect and like understand 
I guess the one thing for me is I can understand how it is to be a student and then I can understand how it is to be a teacher in a classroom and I have like empathy for like how they run things and it's just like I just overall understand the whole system better. That's a clip from the current episode of South Dakota Focus, Solving the Teacher Shortage. You can watch it and other episodes from this season online, sdpb.org slash watch. And faithful listeners might recognize the voice of Roosevelt High School's Gina Benz in that segment. She is also one of the creators of Teacher Talk. That's our regular conversation on In the Moment. You can hear the next Teacher Talk on Tuesday. You're listening to In the Moment on SDPB. I'm Lori Walsh. And now, scenes from South Dakota Lego League's state championship. Imagine teams of students from across the state gathering around tables where small, colorful robots vie to solve problems and meet team challenges. SDPB's Tim Davison takes you there. A packed gymnasium and a roaring crowd. But this is not a normal event for a gymnasium on a Saturday. This is the first LEGO League State Championship. Like other sports, students compete to score points. But they're also scored on how they're using STEM principles to solve real-world issues outside of the gym. I met Coach Sarah Stoltenberg between rounds. Yeah, we are the Bobcat Builders from Brookings, South Dakota, from Mickelson Middle School. We are here for the State Lego League competition. They are one of 28 teams competing at Augustana University. Our robot missions, we did two of them so far, and we have one more left. So they're trying to perfect to be able to get as many points as they can on our last round. Behind her, a student types furiously on a laptop reprogramming the robot on the fly, while eighth grader Madeline Anderson explains how the team got started. We're a first year team, so we've never done this before, but as a first year team, we've done really, really well so far. We kind of heard about the robotic side of things, and it was really interesting because it played to a lot of our strengths as a school. So we were able to pick out kids who were really able to play to their strengths. These robots are way more advanced than the stationary models of yesteryear. They're decked out with motors, sensors, and a Bluetooth-enabled brain. Former coach and current volunteer Christoph Shirley says students don't drive these robots. These challenges are meant to be run with a robot acting autonomously. So the robot has to have all of its coding instructions before it leaves base in order to operate and manipulate obstacles and elements on the challenge field. The challenge field is a four foot by eight foot mat distributed annually to teams in 110 countries around the world. This year's theme focuses on the arts, complete with obstacles like moving a camera across a movie set and doing the lights and sound for a concert. The robot game is in many ways the hook. That's program director Gerald Messersmith. There is another part of First Lego League that is equally as important, if not more so, and that is the innovation project. At a table nearby, I asked the West Wolves Robotics Club about their innovation project. Uh, it's an exterior prosthetic. It will help people walk by enhancing their movement. Drake explains the process while teammate Claire shows what happens when you wave a red Lego versus a blue Lego in front of a sensor. You can see after I put down the blue, it can't move any farther, but and then when I put on the red, it's not going to move any farther than what most people's legs bend to. Then Gavin and Brendan with the Coders Cubed team out of Rapid City 
show how their project is helping a classmate with cerebral palsy. We're trying to help people with disabilities who can't um, manipulate the Rubik's Cube as well to be able to manipulate it. A set of arcade-style buttons wirelessly control which direction a robot turns the sides of the cube. Director Gerald Messersmith explains why it's necessary. We know that the kids are learning through this program. Those soft skills that we know that we need in our daily work life, whether you're in technology or not. As opposed to other team sports where only a few make it to the big leagues, every one of these students has the ability to go pro one day in a STEM career. They're learning the teamwork skills that we absolutely love and we all need to see in South Dakota in our next generation employees and businesses. When scores are tallied, teams are named champions in various categories, including the Robot Performance Award. That went to the Bobcat Builders from Brookings. With advice for future builders, here's Madeline once again. I would definitely suggest doing it. Um, you can go to the website. If you just search up Lego League, I'm sure you'll find something. And if I had to give you some advice, I would definitely suggest just making sure that you have fun as well. Because um, it can definitely get a bit stressful when you're working on an innovation project and a robotics project. Um, but you just need to make sure that you're definitely having fun. Successful teams now have the opportunity to advance to national competitions, where they can interact with teams from around the globe. I'm SDPB's Tim Davison in Sioux Falls. Some songs stick with you as you age, and some songs may even transform you. Well, if music and sound can have such lasting and life-changing impacts on humans, could it also work on liquor? That's the thought behind using sonic seasoning to age and add notes of taste to some whiskeys and bourbons. A distillery in the Black Hills has been experimenting with this, and its owner joins me now, Jerry Saylor is owner of Contraband Distillery. He's at the SCPB Black Hills Surgical Hospital Studio in our Rapid City spaces now. Jerry, welcome to In the Moment. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. This is a new technology, right? Or is it old? Help us understand how you came to um, think about sound waves <laughs> and distillery. Well, I, I heard an article once where in Europe where they were using music to create different flavors in cheese. Mm. And then on top of that, I had read another article in the trade works that rack houses, where they store barrels to age, near railroad tracks aged a quarter faster than they did in just a standalone rack house because of the vibrations. And I made the connection of why not put the two together and start using different musics, pumping it into the liquid. And I kind of fumbled around with it, and we've created something new. You had to have uh, a partner in this. Tell me a little bit about who you've involved to figure out how to do this in a way that is accomplishing the flavor that you want. Um, yeah, well, I brought in Riley Cassidy, who's a very dear friend of mine. Um, he's a DJ here in Rapid City. He's also a sound expert by education. He came into it to work with me to start getting transducers to actually turn the liquid of the alcohol into a speaker on its own. But we couldn't figure out how to 
build it correctly, so we brought in Sam Pappendeck, who used to be a brewer here in Rapid City, and he's now a mechanical engineer, and he helped us design this new sonicator that we're calling, and now we're doing all the proof of concepts on that, the new piece of equipment and technology that we've created. What it does is it effectively allows us to do five years worth of aging in six to eight months. Help people understand what aging is for bourbon. When you put, um, you take grain neutral spirits, which is a clear liquid cut with water down to usually about an 80 proof. You put it in a charred wooden barrel. And as the temperatures and humidities work and pull the, the liquid in and out of the wood, the charring of the wood, the tannins leach into the alcohol. And over two, three, four, five years, it turns the grain neutral spirits a beautiful amber tone. And that's what imparts that wonderful smokiness and that little bit of woody notes and some of the manila tannins and flavors that we get out of the bourbon. Okay, so you you taste it. Can you taste the difference? You, with the experience that you have, you can taste the difference. Yes, definitely. Different musics help create different sonics, which vibrate the liquid through the woods at different frequencies. And so you'll get sometimes a heavier smoky note, sometimes lighter, more mapley flavors come through. Um, the one that I prefer, we're using early 70s classic rock, probably from 70 to 74, because the bass and lead <laughs> rhythms create a better flavor, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that, <laughs> so then do you, um, this, uh, you can hear, it's an audible sound for a human while the, this process is going on. You can tell, like, this is the... This is what's happening. It's not like just a, a vibration that goes into the barrel. Do you see what I'm asking there? Since yes, I don't correct. understand this. Yeah. Can rather I hear it when, I, when you're using, making it? Yeah. Rather than using yeah. a sonic frequency, we're actually okay. pumping the music in and it turns the liquid itself into an actual speaker. You can't hear it, but when you put your hand to the barrel, you can hear it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, it's a, it's a yeah. fascinating experiment. And how are you measuring, I mean, is there a control group? How are you measuring for the proof of concept? We're actually, how yes. Uh, how are you measuring the outcome? And because it seems to me this is technology other people would be interested in. Are you not interested in ever having a commercial application? Is this going to be the contraband distillery, you know, trademark secret? Well, to answer both, yes yeah. and yes. <laughs> um, there are, using a mass spectrometer and using different fractional spectrometers we can tell by the depth of color in the aged mm -hmm. bourbon and the breakdown in the tannins inside the bourbon and that tells us which ones are creating more flavor less flavor so there is the experimental way to test it and yes we are working at it we're going to be using it ourselves for the first few years and then yeah. we plan on having commercial applications for other distilleries because the way to use it for frequencies nobody will ever create the same flavor profile that somebody else is, and we're looking at miniaturizing it so it can be available in a five-gallon kit that the average person can purchase, put five gallons of vodka in a barrel with the other things that we've included, and they'll be able to create their own bourbons at home. All right. Now, think back. This is what, seven-generation recipe? Yes. You've been in this business. for Your family has been in this business for a long time. What would some of the original minds 
behind this distillery have thought of what you're doing now, Jerry? If they could see it now, they'd probably think it was magic or witchcraft. Um, <laughs> my, <laughs> They're going to burn you at the stake with your barrel. Pretty close, yeah. <laughs> my my great-aunt Mary, um, she was the rebel in the family. She actually bootlegged for Al Capone during Prohibition, and she was the one that got me on the track of how to not stay in the rut of this is what my great-grandfather taught me, my grandfather taught me, and my father taught me. She taught me to think outside of the box and not even pay attention to where the box is and be creative with this and try and come up with new techniques and styles and be in innovative in my field. Yeah. When's the first time that you tasted homemade alcohol? <laughs> um, my grandfather Maybe. used to give it to me as cough medicine when I was three years old. Oh, Lord. So by the time I was four, I could fake a cough really well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the market for this high-end whiskey bourbon consumer um, at home craft you know, people who are interested in doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think the audience is? And then let's talk a little bit about how how you sell it to them. Do you tell them, you know, this is the, you know, Led Zeppelin, you know, yeah. label or something like <laughs> what? Well, yeah, we're we're working towards that. We, we I can't say who because it's okay. in negotiations. I just but we pulled are, that name out working. of my air, out yeah. of the air. So don't the one I use run, as an example is Fleetwood Mac. I, okay. I love right. the book of rumors, and I've actually okay. I've used that on an alcohol. It, it creates a very phenomenal alcohol. But mm -hmm. we are in uh, works with an artist, and we're talking with him. He's very well known. And uh -huh. once we get everything ironed out, we'll release all that. But we're looking at creating about 500 gallons in the first run of using just his top 10 songs that he's ever produced. Okay. And making an alcohol with just that music. Interesting. This could change an industry? Does it fit into it, a niche? What do you think? It could change an industry. Um, we're still arguing with the TTB. That's the Tobacco and Trade Bureau. They control the alcohol sure. in the United States, not the ATF. And they still don't acknowledge what we're doing. Okay. They, they uh, tell us we're a, how do they put that? We are a grain-based alcohol flavored with wood is how they call it <laughs> okay. because it, it doesn't they're still stuck on it's been done this way for 200 years it will still be this way in 200 years they're they're slow to absorb new technology into their alcohol rulings all right all kinds of things so we don't have time to talk about this right now but uh we've been talking today with jerry sailor he's the owner of contraband distillery it just feels like this should be happening in the black hills um right now with south dakota mines and with the culture of the black hills there so we say thank you so much yep. for for joining us and giving us an update we appreciate your time thank you so much for having me and that is our show for today. We hope that it served you. If you miss something, you can always uh, go online at sdpb.org slash news and find our individual segments that you can share. We're on Instagram at SDPB News. We're on YouTube and uh, In the Moment to Podcast. So you can download it and subscribe and listen to the whole hour again as well. In the Moment is produced by Ari Youngeman and Ellen Kester. Our executive producer is Kara Hetland. SDPB's news director is Joshua Chilson. Our videographer, Jordan Henderson. Great support all the time from our engineering crew, Brian Wood and Colton Nicholson. I'm your host, Lori Walsh, from all of us at SDPB. Have a great weekend, and we thank you for listening.